Welcome, everyone, to our Conversations with Authentic Leaders podcast. My name is David Irvin, and I'm your host for this podcast. For those of you who know me, know that I am passionate about leadership. I'm passionate about understanding the nature of leadership and about the origins of where the capacity to influence others comes from. Where does it emerge from? And in my work of leadership development, I meet some incredible leaders and some incredible entrepreneurs. And in this podcast, I want to shine a light on leadership. And I want to shine a light on the lives of some of the men and women who are making a tremendous difference in the world. And today, it is my good fortune to introduce Angela Chewy. I met Angela last year at an entrepreneur's organization event, an organization of entrepreneurs who are making a difference in the world, successful men and women who are making an impact. And I was absolutely inspired by Angela's presence. And when I, spent, when I spent a couple of days with you, Angela, my thought was, we have to get your story into the world. And I absolutely need to shine a light on who you are and what you bring to the world and how you have come to the place that you are. Now, you describe yourself as a person who leads and loves and inspires, and I absolutely know that this is who you are. And so, Angela, welcome to this Thank podcast. You. Would you just tell us a little bit about your, yourself and about your vision and about your leadership as an entrepreneur right now? Absolutely. Thank you, first of all, David, to have me here with your listenership. Um, it's such an honor. I have learned so much from you in the short time that we've spent together, and I always love to just marinate and add my new learnings to, you know, the beautiful life that I have, and, and, and I just, um, I do, David. I, I take what I learn, and I believe that it's my mission in life uh, to lead with love and inspire with light. And so uh, what I do, David, um, is not uh, uh, formulated at all. In fact, it's just this flowing leadership journey. And I don't know if I would even call it leadership at the outset. It's just something I came into. Um, but if, you know, the world has to put it into context, I own businesses. And the nature of my businesses are in uh, the food space. We're vertically integrated. And um, this was... Born, my business in, in the last 20 years was born out of my desire to uh, break out of um, definitely what, you know, the proverbial glass wall and also not to be judged based on uh, physical appearances uh, because I'm, you know, my gender, my culture, I'm Chinese by heritage. Um, and also, uh, I also wanted to have... Um, an atypical life where I could command my own schedule because I wanted to have a family. I also wanted to um, see what I can create and permutate from that. And I just did not like um, the confines within which uh, in my previous life I was, um, like I said, I was in finance. And uh, it was just so constricting and so limiting. And I had to fit into the box to belong. And I just, I didn't belong, David. So here I am. And what would you describe as your philosophy 
of creating a company and your philosophy of leadership. And you, you know, the best leaders that I meet often don't even describe themselves as being leaders. They're, because I, and I really do believe, Angela, that we're not really a leader until we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're viewed by a leader. And it's really the perception mm-hmm. of somebody else. Where was that mm-hmm. born in you, this, this desire to make a difference in the world? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I would agree. I, f- I find that the best leaders are learners, and, and we, should, uh, we shouldn't we should put that uh, euphemism into our title because we're learning all the time. So by what right do we have ourselves to call us that when we're continually learning? But I'm going to go back to uh, my childhood, David, uh, because I find that... Um, a lot of things happened that paved the way to uh, the style that I have today building my businesses. Um, and i just share with you an experience. Um, when I first moved to Canada, um, I was completely a fish out of water. I didn't speak English. Um, I spoke Spanish as my first language, and I think they were already two months into school. And, um, you know, I lived in a completely Caucasian, North American neighborhood, and so I didn't speak English, I didn't look the part, and um, it was just, I came from a tropical country, and at that time I moved here, it was November, and it was very cold in Calgary. And it was was the first realism, my first reality that... um, Discomfort is um, something from which I can grow from. And I say grow because I had such a desire to get to know my peers and their curiosity was there that uh, I learned English pretty quickly and um, it was almost as though um, my kindergarten compadres uh, really, (laughs) we were just... uh, they became my teachers, and I think it was the curiosity that I had in the language and in them, and I'm trying to understand them, that took me to um, kind of being very much their peer quickly. Now, um, if we can fast forward to grade nine, I, I do want to share this with you, because I would say that um, as a teenager, um, feeling like a fish out of water, um, but I knew that I wanted to, to press my comfort zone, um, I... I was supposed to go into a certain feeder school, but that feeder school didn't have um, the kind of education or didn't have um, the well-rounded program. I, I wanted to go to this certain private school that was Calgary's premier private school. But to be quite honest, David, my family does not come from wealth. Um, my parents worked very hard, gave us a very wonderful, wonderful life, for which I am greatly thankful. But... Um, we were working class. Uh, we lived on, you know, certain parts of the city where, you know, we were not driving European cars. And it was the uh, the anomaly of your um, stereotypical private school child. But I just knew that, that I needed to go to that school. So I applied to that school, and they kindly told me a number of times that there was no space. But I, I did, you know, convince them that if there was no space, but could I at least write... Um, the entrance exams. Well, my parents were working, couldn't get me there, so I had to call my parents' friends and find somebody to drive me there. This is way out of Calgary. To make a long story short, David, um, I ended up going to that school, and it was after perseverance and calling the entrance officer, uh, probably over a course of five or six months, uh, before, you know, there was an opening and she relented and she said, I have never experienced a 14-year-old with such tenacity. And I'd have to say again, it was a curiosity to see the other side of the world, to, to make friends with people that 
really I had, they were so different, David. We were so different. But I really got to know them and won them over. Um, and they certainly won my heart because um, we were interested in who each other were and not what our externalities defined us. So in, in, in terms of um, my style, I would say that definitely I'm, I'm always curious about learning about other people. And um, there is just an innate magic that comes from when people know that you're sincerely interested. And the magic comes that... Um, there's like this synergy between the conversations and that's kind of how I've grown my companies is the people that stay in my companies are attrition ratings, um, like 5% and, you know, we've had it for over two decades. Um, it's, it's because day after day, you know, time after time, every time we get together for meetings or, you know, you see them, there's something new and there's always a story that is valuable that can, uh, that is, is worth my time sharing it with them or their, my, their time sharing it with me. It's, it really is, makes it purposeful, David. It's not a transaction of finances. It's a transaction of, of, of like exchange, an exchange of the heart. Well, I have to tell you that I'm fascinated in this quality of perseverance that you have because it isn't, and it wasn't, I don't think, in knowing you, it wasn't about perseverance for personal gain. It, it was a perseverance for something else. For, I don't know, and describe to me what you were persevering toward. And if you can articulate, where was the seeds? Where were the seeds of that perseverance planted? I mean, it, 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 it's a tough question because I'm imagining they were just in you. But somewhere or another... Was there something in your environment growing up that instilled within you this desire for more, this thirst? Was there some kind of defining moments that, that, that created within you that perseverance? Or was it just something that was with you for as long as you can remember? Hmm. You know, those seeds were sown the day my parents created me. <laughs> um, not so heavily and metaphorically. Um, David, I am not meant to be here, literally. Um, my mom had two difficult pregnancies before me, and uh, the child before me was aborted. And she almost lost uh, her life as a result of uh, that pregnancy. And so by the time I came along, um, it was a high-risk pregnancy, and it was uh, imperative uh, for the family to stay a unit. And, of course, I was not yet, you know, really um, a sum of parts. And so um, <clears throat> I guess I, I, I wasn't meant to be because they actually went through a couple different um, – processes to abort me not once but twice and when I was born David um, there was not a lot of skin on my body and there were a lot of um, um, physical um, challenges but uh, I, I somehow even in my mother's womb came out whole without without skin but that's just the externality but my lungs were working, my stomach was ingesting, I was able to, um, you know, take on the first few um, 
cycle of nourishment. And I think that it's born from that. There's just some kind of um, fusion from the outset. And uh, I have a purpose. I'm meant to be here. And so from from the very first day, I think, that I was conceived, there has been um, a desire to just be present. Wow. That's a very powerful story. And so a big part of that journey is to express the essence of who you are most fully in the world. Can you describe your your journey to that place of the desire to be who you are and and the role yeah. of what and the role that that serves in the impact that you make in your role of leadership? David, can you say that again? I want to make sure I capture everything that you just said. <laughs> well, I'm struggling with trying to know how to ask the question. But I'm mm. wondering how authenticity fits into your journey. And, yeah. and, and how important it is to you to bring your full self to your work and the uh-huh. impact that that has had on yourself and the lives of others that you have impacted and influenced. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, perseverance, we talked about that just now. Um, discomfort, you know, when I was in grade nine, but just this desire to see what one can create. And... Um, I think it's a culmination of your, my background and all those elements that actually came together. Um, and I'd say it came together when I uh, started my first company. And what does it mean to be authentic? And at that time, again, like not knowing what authenticity really, really meant to me uh, then as it does today, um, I was... I was bootstrapping, creating something um, out of nothing and starting a restaurant and, you know, every year I would build a new one and in the meantime, I would, I actually had a couple kids within, I built two restaurants, had two kids within 24 months, David, and what I realized during that journey was um, people were very, the contractors, um, my staff, uh, my banker, uh, they were interested in seeing what was going to come from um, my desire to create. And I really think that, David, when it, when it, when it all boils down to it, is that um, the authenticity piece comes in being wholly open and vulnerable uh, about my challenges, but also being super excited about, you know, what I believed I could do. And, you know, they would see this woman come in um, in between, uh, you know, contractor meetings, but, you know, to a professional meeting and just just being so real um, with respect to what I wanted to do, create jobs, create a better life for my family, but also be true to me, David, like, be true to not being suppressed by, you know, um, the standard, um, or I, I don't know what to call it, but just, just to create something that, that, that was meaningful for me. And really what it was was freedom and, um, 
being a, uh, a parent and, and just living a, a beautiful life. But I, I just wanted to share that um, energy, I guess, in creating all that with, with the people that were in my life. And it's almost like uh, we lifted each other. And throughout the process, I would also share that um, my... Um, one of my bankers ended up shifting out of their job and moving into entrepreneurship. And I think part of it had to do with our conversations. And so they're like, well, you were in banking and I think I can start my own company too. And so it's, um, it's that realness when you have the conversation and tell me, I didn't sleep till three o'clock, but I I believe I can do it. (laughs) And, uh, you're making a big difference. And again, it's the synergy of, our, our, our intelligence, our, our will to do and um, to achieve that all that was able to, to be done um, and continues to. So I can't do anything um, without the energy that other people bring into my space as well. And I'm very careful with the kind of people that I surround myself with. Uh, David, um, it's important to, to make sure that um, the, the people that I surround myself with are, are those that are co-creators in life and a journey and um, wanting to make a difference in this world. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been very, it's, it's, it's not been an easy journey, but it's been a beautiful journey thus far. Can you speak to this whole notion of vulnerability? I, I, I hear often, well, many people have brought up the value and have introduced the notion of vulnerability and the value of all vulnerability in leadership and in life. And I'm wondering if you could speak to what uh, uh, vulnerability means to you, because I think some people are afraid that if they're vulnerable, they're going to they're going to fall apart, or that it's somehow or other a weakness. And, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm wondering how you have experienced vulnerability, because you are the essence of vulnerability. You're real. You are who you are, and it's one of the reasons why I watch so many people drawn to you and want to learn from you and want to follow you and are inspired by you. And, and I'm trying to articulate in my work mm-hmm. the value of vulnerability, mm-hmm. and I'm just wondering what it means to you. And are there limits to appropriate vulnerability? Um, where, do you, where do you sit with all of that? go back to that point when I connect with a person and it means it's that point where I'm literally looking them in the eye and I'm asking them a question wherein I know that they're a little bit uncomfortable but I'm so curious that I want to know how their divorce went or what does it mean when you lose a job or how did that breakup feel and and they're just disarmed. And so I think my vulnerability, first of all, comes from a place of just sincerity that I'm not, I'm not gossiping or, or, or trying to get information for, I just, it's a, it's an honest interest in listening to their story. So it's not that I, I open myself up, um, right away. I, I'm happy to, but it's just that the connection is there. So someone that, when someone is so, Take it aback to know that, um, you know, someone wants to hear their story. I think that's when the real sharing starts. And, and then that's when my vulnerability also um, comes out in that 
that I'm happy to share how my divorce went or challenges in business. And, and I think that um, it's just, it's a two-way, it's, it's a beautiful opening of, of petals. It's not a one-way street. So if you will, a flower, right? It's not a one-way, you don't just have one flower that opens on the one side. It's a beautiful unfolding of different petals um, as the conversation continues. So before we actually see the center, the stamen, and um, it's that I don't want to take any, I, don't, I just want to give more than what I've taken away. And, I, and time is what I have to give. That, I think time, that's, that's the biggest gift that people have given to me by being, that has created this vulnerability in me. They're just so pleased that I want to hear their story, that they become open and and I think that's where my vulnerability comes from, David. I'm happy to share. And, and then, you know, it's, it's two people, three people, whatever the group is. And I don't know, I, I, I think that the conversations just become magical when um, they feel safe. And um, that when they, you know, I don't want to say polished, but I do appreciate aesthetics. And when a person is sitting across and they look so polished is sharing something incredibly deeply vulnerable and I trust that they won't share with other people um, it takes things to a new level but that trust is another thing David is a lot of people find it difficult to trust if I'm going to tell you something about myself you're going to use it against me well I think to myself how can people really hurt me people can't hurt me if you love yourself if you really really love yourself David nobody can hurt you so I, I'm open. So I've learned because a couple. Because them, how I've, they want to judge. I've learned a couple of things from you already, just in this conversation. First of all, you don't try to be vulnerable. It comes from a place of love. And then you don't try to lead. You just are genuinely concerned, and you also have a sense of confidence in yourself that you know that you're safe, and so that you don't have to be. Uh, protect, you don't have to be in a mode of protecting yourself from what other people are going to think of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you're right. Um, so if we go back to this, I don't really, I've never fit into any mold. I feel uncomfortable in a mold. And that's, that's why uh, most people are drawn to me because they don't really know how to peg me. I don't. I don't even know how to peg myself because I'm. I'm evolving still, and I'm learning so much through um, hardship, uh, through you know pain, and through um, you know wonderful relationships. Um, but yeah, David, I I, I have to say that um, I I think that they don't really know. That's, that's it, is that they don't really know what to make of me. And that's why, you know, some people are drawn. Who is this person that's, you know, so open, um, can speak well and just wants to listen to me and she's, she's giving me her time and she's so real. It's, yeah, how many conversations have we been in where people are talking about themselves? And I just, I love listening to other people. There's and, so much to learn. Oh, sorry. No, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, yeah no, there's so much to learn. Yeah. What I love is the uh, thoughtfulness that you put into your responses. 
and that it comes from the heart. It doesn't come from a place of trying to impress. It just seems to come naturally. I, I'm just curious how you would articulate where that came from, <laughs> that, that, that inner sense of well-being and being comfortable enough with yourself. Can you articulate how you developed that or how it emerged in you? From a pretty dark place, because I don't know all the facets of all the facets of myself yet, David. Um, I really, I'm still discovering who I am today, and so I've been going through a journey, and I call it darkness, but not in a bad way, just in a way from a from a perspective of there's a lot of opaqueness and sometimes I wish I could even call it opaqueness but there's just not a whole heck of a lot of uh, light that's shining on 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 how to grow um, okay so I'm going to take you back to three years ago um, I, I went through uh, what I thought I would never go through um, in you know in, in, in any culture you go into a marriage thinking it's going to be forever. But in the Chinese culture, it's you go into it because it's going to be forever. Whether you're happy or not, you do it for the kids, you do it for the parents, you do it for everybody else and yourself. And David, I did, I, I was leading a very, like I was true to myself throughout the journey. But when I was at home or when I was with the family, I needed to play a different role. And it was just, it was misaligned with, um, it was two different worlds. And so um, I had a really honest conversation with my uh, former partner. And he, he and I, uh, of course, there's always a catalyst, but he and I just had the most beautiful and honest conversation. We realized at that point that this was not fair. This is for either one of us. Um, not fair, but we, we were both unhappy, and we just wanted the best for each other. So... In spite of the, the, the challenges of unpartnering, um, we beautifully let go, and now we co-parent together. Where I'm going with this is that at the same time, I came into myself a whole lot more. But what is myself? Um, for a long time, I was still, there are so many um, cultural elements, being a Chinese mother, a Chinese daughter, uh, being a woman, being, you know, uh, uh, an entrepreneur, or, like, there were so many titles and so many lenses that I had placed on myself, not necessarily just others, that I thought, well, who am I, and what, who am I? Just simply that, who am I? And so, um... I mean, your original question, David, was, like, how, how is it that I've become? That's why we had evolved past the vulnerability. But your, your question to me, and I said that I had grown out of the darkness, and really that darkness was just trying to discover who I am. Um, I don't want to be defined simply by gender. I don't want to be defined simply by the fact that I come from an Asian heritage. I wasn't born on that side of the world. I was born in Central America. I was raised in Canada. I had friends from different parts of the world. And so um, to date, as we speak, I 
I know that I love the curiosity that I own. I know that there are certain core values with which I hold near and dear, and those are my, uh, that's my beacon, you know, beacon of light. Um, and, and I just, you know what, David, in talking to you, I think this is why people are also drawn to me and why I'm drawn to people, because there's so many titles and, and, which, you know, aesthetic, we put, put judgments on people, but if we strip past that, we are so much more than religion and social norms and culture and all that, and I think that that's it. They, they just, yeah, I, I, I'm learning more about myself every day, and um, I'm learning more about myself vis-a-vis the people that I'm, I'm connected with. Um, but it, it is hard, David, to not be able to... Um, I'm still trying to then define who are you? Who are you? And I'm trying not to put title uh, words to it, but in the context of the world we live, kind of hard to describe who you are and what you represent without putting in some words, right? We have so much emphasis in our culture to put people in boxes so that we can understand people. Oh, you fit in that category, or you fit in that category. And I, I am just in awe of lis- in listening to you because you will not be put in a category. You will not be put in a box in a preconceived notion that our culture wants to perhaps put you in. And this is where your strength lies, I would argue, Angela, is because... Even though people may not understand you, um, it's, 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 I don't know, beauty in its finest is the best word that I can come up with because it doesn't fit anywhere. But it's so present and it's so alive and it is so inspiring. And you don't even try to get there. You just, it's just who you are. And, you know, oftentimes I got to share with you, I, I, Oftentimes people say, well, describe to me what authenticity is. And I say, it's a lot like beauty. But you just, you know, when you've ever walked out of an art museum and you've experienced beauty and someone says, well, could you articulate what made that beautiful? And by describing it, by putting it in a box, it actually, mm-hmm. it actually diminishes the experience. You just have to say, well, you just have to go and be present to it. And experience it on your own terms, in your own way. And that's a lot like how I'm experiencing your presence today and how I've experienced you before. You will not be described. But somehow or other, you took a journey to be fully who you are today. And this is the essence of impact in the world. And my belief is... And my life's work, Angela, is to connect people with what you're talking about today and to look past the world's expectations and to create a space for people to step away from their world and find that true essence of who they are, Mm -hmm. just as you have Mm -hmm. described. Is there anything else that you could describe about your journey without diminishing it that you could articulate in terms of story or poetry 
or the essence of who you are that might help us as listeners in this on their own journey who are committed to being authentic? How does one get there without a prescription? Uh, You know, one of the things I was just thinking as you were saying this is that um, I think it's really important and beautiful if people can be just a little bit uncomfortable with not fitting in and not defining with words and just, but knowing themselves. But I think that that's the big, 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 big um, piece that people um, can do. It's easier not to do and just let someone define you, but just to sit in discomfort for a second and ask yourself, why am I uncomfortable? And why is this beautiful? So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I know that I'm just going a little bit off tangent here, but think my my role and my purpose is to inspire other people just to do that, is to sit in the beauty of discomfort, to listen to and to feel the essence of what really feels right to them, and not let influencers shift them into the direction that doesn't feel true to their core beliefs and to their essence. Is there a metaphor that I would use? Is there a poem? Hmm. You know, I love Khalil Gibran. And something when you were describing, I also love a lotus, um, a peony flower. I don't, well, I know why Khalil came to my mind, but I, I... I have to think about why I thought about that flower. It just popped right into my head. Uh, do you know what peonies we need? Um, how they how the bud opens? It requires the meticulous help of an ant to bite through the very top film. Um, of the bud before it can unfold and show its true beauty. And if you think about it, whether we're ants or whether we're the flower, how comfortable. It's not comfortable to have someone nitpick and and, and, and bite at you. (laughs) But I I would encourage, if I use that metaphor, yeah, if if I think about it, allow the discomfort, allow those, you know, the, the bites, to, to integrate into your daily life. And just don't be bothered by it, but know that inside at the very core, you are a beautiful flower. I think that, that that's probably why that came to mind because I don't think I have seen any other flowers in my journey um, that requires the um, symbiotic relationship of beauty and discomfort, um, but you need both in order to create, you know, the ants, without the, the, the peony, they don't have uh, nourishment. And without the ants, the, the peonies can't give us beauty. Wow. That is great. And I'm going to tell you, I could spend the rest of my day uh, today just uh, hearing more of your story and getting your essence and hearing of your experience. But I think you do remind us that we just simply have to sit with being uncomfortable not fitting in. And if, we're, if we just go for comfort, 
uh, we just don't experience the beauty of what you're talking about and the full essence. And we miss an opportunity to make an impact in the world the way we're capable of when we don't, when we let our fears uh, control us and that when we hide the true essence of who we are. Yes, yeah. Pausing. Pausing. Essence comes out through not being distracted and pausing at uh, uncomfortable times. But you're right, David, that, that really it's, it's kind of when, when the purity of who we are comes through and shines through. Is there anything else that comes to mind that you would like to share with our listeners today, Angela, about your journey or about encouraging um, other men and women who are on this path that want to bring that essence more fully to the world? In a world of needing to measure success or needing to get to the end point, I would suggest that both of them are practices and um, I have this practices and indoctrination that we should actively disengage from our daily speak, our de- daily mental tapes. Um, it's it's uber, uber important to um, not go down that path. And yeah, David, I, I think that um, that would be my biggest share. Is that, that I, the pause? Excuse me, is that the pause that you're talking about? Is creating time for, is it meditation? Is it just quiet? Yes, it can come in the form of meditation. Uh, But it can also come in observing the beauty of anything that we're holding. Um... We don't need to get to an end point. We don't need to measure things. Beauty resides in um, the space. And yes, so for space, some would be meditation. For space, for me, David, it, it is um, when I'm when I'm cycling, um, <clears throat> and that's when I, I get that just that space, that, that, that silence that really pierces right into my heart that allows me to just really feel the emotions. And so I would encourage um, your listeners to, it's in there again, there's another metaphor. It's, it's a journey. I'm on a bike and, and I don't necessarily have a destination because once I'm at the destination, I stop cycling and, and, and the silence stops. So it's enjoy the journey. It's not about the measurement of how fast your cadence was. It's, it's, it's the journey along the way, and it's the immeasurables that really count in this world. And it's hard when you don't have, when everybody wants to gauge. They want to have a dashboard, you know, a scorecard. And then we wonder, for those of us that don't operate in that world all the time, What's my worth to this world, and how can I add value? And that's an inner um, conversation that I have with myself or have had with myself for a long time. And I'm still, when I sit at, you know, at, the, at the front of the, 
the head of a boardroom table amongst my peers, and I uh, and and I look at all the incredible human beings that are sitting around the table, um, and of course, and they gauge success by measurables. But I'm sitting at the head of the table as the president of this organization for a reason, and. Um, I know that other people may have bigger numbers, bigger companies, but I would I would suggest to your listeners that at the end of the day, when we're all connected, <clears throat> they can see value in the immeasurable. So I'm honored that I'm my peers leaders and that I will just continue pursuing um, being the, um, you know, the leader in love and to inspire with light. And my last, it's really a, I don't know if it's a question, but it has really made a difference in building a business today for you to bring this light into your life. And this has actual business imperative. Can you just, in closing, just speak to that, how this has actually made a difference in the business world? Bringing yeah. this light? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a... I'm in a business where um, you know that the men and women that, that keep the lights on and make sure that everything works and my customers are met with consistent quality and service and cleanliness at all of our restaurants um, they, they, you know the, the people that run this aren't getting paid you know hundreds and thousands of dollars per year um, <clears throat> they do it because they actually love um the company, the culture, and I would say that one of the biggest compliments was um, a conversation that I had just earlier this week, and uh, <clears throat> one of my managers said, you know, Angela, we have so many options, but it's the way that we feel, the way you respect us, but the way that we feel we're part of our family, our family. She didn't say my family our family. That's why we continue to do what we do, although there are other places. And she shares that with her team and the other stores. And you, um, I'm, I consider myself lucky that, you know, she shares this, shared this with me because often as leaders, when we're lonely and we're making our decisions, we wonder if we're doing the right thing. But we just <coughs> need to know and trust that people feel our energy. People feel our love. And there needs to be more of that out there. And while you can't measure that, we will come back to you in spades when you least expect it. And right now we're going through one of the toughest times in our economy. But I had a wonderful, wonderfully fulfilling meeting with my team leads today. And they said, no matter what, Angela, we're here through the thick and thin. <clears throat> Don't worry. We're stabilizing at every point on the boat. That is not anything that one could ever buy with money. So I feel so blessed. Well, you give that out when you create that kind of an environment where you are that, you give yourself that permission, Angela, and then you give others the permission to flourish. Thank you. Thanks for inspiring me today, my friend. Thank you. I, I would I would say that you do so much of this for your uh, listeners, for those who go to your retreats. And, David, we, as uh, a forum group, have learned 
so much from you. Um, and we continue to go through your guidebook. And it's like, we almost, we were just like, it's, it's like this beautiful state that we're just wanting to choose slowly and just let it settle. And then we read the book at the same time. And then it's like having that beautiful glass of red wine to pair with that, you know, beautiful marbled steak. And there's just so much nourishment and insight um, in the work that you do. Uh, so I, I thank you again for the privilege of um, giving me your time and this space to share with you and your listeners. Thank you. Well, you're vo- most welcome. You are most welcome. And uh, this is uh, the best part of my work is the, <laughs> or is the people that I meet and the people who inspire me. So thank you very much, Angela, for inspiring all of us this afternoon. You're welcome, David. <laughs>